0: Good morning. 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 Welcome to Men's Roundtable. My name's Joe Barlow. Glad you're here. How about it, Bill? Hey,
1: man. I hear we had a deer camp. Best deer camp ever. I would say it was.
0: Had a great deer camp. Man, three weekends. Last weekend, deer camp. Weekend before hangar group. Weekend before that, deer camp leadership. Hello. Nope. We're having technical difficulties. Yes, if I needed a microphone to start with.
2: Turn it on, turn back on. No, turn it off. Turn it back on. Reset. <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete.
0: No, that didn't do anything either.
2: <laughs> Reboot. How
0: about if I do a all right, here we go again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Fathering. It's the series we're on. That's a pair right there. Stephen and Lane. Fathering. You don't choke on the coffee. <laughs> Fathering. So, do you father your own son? Are you being fathered? Are you following somebody else? Men how does a boy become a man? His mama can't do that. The world has been doing it. And look at what a mess we're in. So when will we as fathers begin to step up and step out and help the young men and boys that we encounter? was having a conversation this morning with Steve Grantham. Spring break is next week. He's got Four guys that he's taken out fishing in the Gulf. So he decided he needed to get together with them. He's going to do a list of things that they might need to take. Not might need to take. He knows they need to take. And he talked to his son about it and he said, hey, we need to, we need to get the guys together before we, you know, before we go on this trip. We need to be sure they have everything that they need to have. I got a list here. What does his son respond? How does he respond? Come on. Throw me, me a bone. How does, this, how does this son respond? I got it. I got it. Woo, hot one now. I got it. His son says, dad, don't worry. I got it. You turn that down just a little
2: bit.
0: Yeah. So what does a dad do at that point? That's a turning point. Where are you? Where are you when you approach a guy that you know needs help and he says, that's okay, I got it? You turn your back on him and walk away? Or do you do what I heard my brother Steve say this morning? No, son. We need to go over this. It makes his son uncomfortable with his peers. But dad's been there. He knows what that's like he knows that when you don't take your sunscreen or you don't have your sunglasses or you don't have your this or you don't have your that you're going to be looking for it and where he's taking them there's no convenience store to run get that if you leave it you can't get it the next day somebody who's been there before you those life experiences that we've had that have been so hard that have taught us so much that have taken us to our knees, can you share that with another man? That's what deer camp's about. And we did just have a great one. Vulnerability on display. One guy tells his story, and six more in the group say, man, I thought I was the only one that experienced that. I thought I was the only one that thought that. I thought I was the only one that went through something like that. I heard Lane say this morning, you mean, dad, you did stupid stuff too? <laughs> That's not exactly how he said it because his dad was sitting next to him. Yeah, Lane, we did stupid stuff too. That's why we know. The challenge is are you going to keep it in your brain? Are you going to keep those memories quiet? Or are you going to share them with another man? Help him grow, help him understand he's not isolated, he's not alone. I encourage you to step into a young man's life. You may just change it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for C Spire and I thank you for my brothers. Thank you for filling the leadership team. Thank you for the breakfast and the coffee that's provided. Lord, it's your work on the cross and your resurrection, your living, that brings us alive. Mm-hmm. May we never forget it in your name be your Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe.
1: <laughs> Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Hello. I'm away. Um, yes, we did. Yes, yes, we had the best deer camp ever uh, this past weekend. And I just encourage you coming uh, uh, out of the afterglow of... Um, deer camp that our next deer camp which will be our last deer camp of the year we kind of operate on the school uh, calendar uh, is April 14 through 16 and as Ron mentioned last week um, nationally known speaker author uh, Nate Larkin is actually coming to that deer camp just to participate in the deer camp and be just one of the guys Uh, but it'll be special Uh, so uh, those of you who have not Been to a deer camp yet sign up because it'll get full we we can only take 12 guys so april 14 through 16 and i think there's a qr code there on on your notes um, you can um, uh, register um, through that so this morning uh, oh and uh, we have fish camp this weekend um in fairhope Uh, i'll be able to rest when i get to heaven so i'll rest in heaven But uh, excited about fish camp this weekend. There are spots available if you want to drive down to Fairhope, or if you even have somebody in Fairhope that uh, you want to call and say, um, "Come on, Uh, we'll 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 be doing that this weekend." So this morning, uh, I want to offer you a song. Uh, This new series that we have, excited about it. uh, The power of a father. And through this series, um, I'll offer you songs about fathering. Um, And this song I stumbled onto, I'd never heard this. Some of you may be uh, aware of this song by Big Daddy Weave. Um, And uh, the song is overwhelmed. And um, I was intrigued by the title of it, never heard it before. But then I saw the visual of it. And I was just uh, taken. So the words um, follow with me as I read just a portion of it, just kind of um, wet your appetite a little bit. Overwhelmed. I see the work of your hands. And I, and I can add Father God to each one of these. Galaxy spin in a heavenly dance. Oh God, my Father. All that you are is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice, Father. All at once, it's a gentle and thundering noise, O oh God, my Father. All that you are is so overwhelming. I delight myself in you. Captivated by your beauty, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you. God, I run into your arms, your father arms unashamed because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by you. I pray you'd be overwhelmed by God, our Father. And these visuals are so powerful. May you hear the voice of God on our hearts to what he has for us this morning. Yes, I am. Aren't you you overwhelmed? The power of a father. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16.13. Let's dig in, gentlemen. The power of a father. Follow along with me as we read our introductory uh, paragraphs. The power of a father. As men in a culture under attack, we need an understanding of mature masculinity, a vision and direction we can pursue with our sons. We need tools, methods, and ideas to help us become godly men from which to equip our sons. And by the way, let me add, and daughters. This is just as applicable uh, to our daughter. I mean, obviously I'm the father of two, uh, girls. Uh, and so, uh, this applies just as much to, uh, girls as it does to our sons. We need to grow up and we need to help our sons and our daughters grow up. Jacob, the patriarch of Israel, the father of a nation is a troubling character in the old Testament, just like you and me. He is so much like us with very human strengths and weaknesses, but a man with a striving for spiritual things. From this imperfect man, we learn important lessons of faith, especially we learn from God's grace. Time to engage, enjoy the adventure. It's time to grow up, uh, gentlemen. Isn't, Isn't it amazing how God our Father, gives us models for everything he asks us to do but they're so broken they're so imperfect models and god's not ashamed god carries no shame it's a mystery why would he choose jacob i mean jacob and we're going to dig into jacob through this whole series The reason he chose Jacob is because he chose you and me. I have a lot more theological reasons on why God chose Jacob than why he chose me or you. How about that? I can explain Jacob. Me? You? Man, I wouldn't choose you to be on my softball team, you know? And you wouldn't choose me to be on your checkers team. You know, but we're on God's team. Pick up your pen. Let's go to work. I have three questions for you um, this morning. This is our journaling time. And by the way, if you're here for the first time, again, welcome. If you hadn't been coming for a while, you're tuned in here for the first time on uh, on our Zoom. We do journaling here. When we start, we journal. Uh, I want you to be listening with your pen in hand so we write and we write our life um so the first um thing i want to um alert you to is every son or daughter deserves a dad who fills his life with love affirmation and blessing every son or daughter needs from his father vision direction and solid answers to questions such as so here's your three questions so what is a man you write that down what what would you write i mean if your 10 year old daughter if your 10 year old son if your 10 year old grandson you know those eight and nine and 10 year olds are full of questions aren't they you know What if they ask you, daddy, grandpa, what is a man? What's a man supposed to be? What would you say? This is what I would offer you, even as as you're writing what you would write. I think a man is three things from a biblical model. First of all, He initiates, he's an initiator. He runs to the roar, just like we talked about in our last series. He's a first responder, not a last to show up at the fire. He runs to the fire. If he doesn't know how to put the fire out, he goes and gets trained and becomes a fireman, so to speak. Isn't it great? I love what John Eldridge says, that in many ways, that which God designed us to be is what we wanted to be when we were five and six and seven and eight. Think about that. Firemen, policemen, cowboys. As I've said to you before, I love wearing my cowboy hat and my cowboy boots at deer camp, because I wanted to be a cowboy. I grew up in that age when uh, the first three hours of Saturday morning when the TV came on uh, from the crazy signal, it was Westerns, Hopalong Cassidy, and all these crazy guys, Roy Rogers, and all that. And man, I had my uh, pajamas on, my gun strapped to my uh, uh, waist, and my cowboy hat ready to go every Saturday morning. And I feel more like a, a child um, at Deer Camp with you men. And I wear my cowboy hat proudly because I want to be a cowboy initiate, initiate. The second thing that I would say, um, a man is, is he is response able. He's responsible in our parenting. What our goal is in a nutshell is to produce responsible children that, that in a nutshell, um, is what the goal of parenting is. How do you teach a child to be responsible? And the way you teach a child to be responsible is a simple formula. R equals C plus C. Figure that out. Now I'll tell you. R equals C plus C. Responsible is the goal. Equals consequence plus choice. So you make good choices, there's good consequences. You make bad choices, bad consequences. And that's it in a nutshell. You teach them to make choices. You help them make choices. They get to choose. If they make good choices, they're rewarded. It's Kind of like training a dog. You know, dog goes, gets a tennis ball, you give him a reward, right? Parenting is much the same way. Dogs are probably easier. And then finally, what I would say a man is, he's a fighter. He can tell you what he's fighting for rather than tell you what he's fighting with. Men who are afraid, men who are passive, blame and criticize and they stay in conflict. They're fighting, they're in fights. But a man who really knows his calling. He will fight for his family. He will fight for a worthy cause. Exodus 15.3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He's a warrior, and he calls us to be the same. What is a man? He's an initiator. He's a response able, and he's a fighter. Second question. are a man's responsibility? What would you say? Write it down. What is a man's responsibilities? What would you say? A man's responsibilities. What would you say? Anybody? Family. Absolutely. Your children. Absolutely. <clears throat> Your children. Family. Right at the top of the list. Um, in First Timothy, uh, Paul's letter to a young wannabe preacher, he says that a man who doesn't take care of his own family is worse than a pagan or an infidel. The highest value... Uh, is not to aspire to be an elder or a deacon or uh, head of the committee at church or uh, to be recognized at the golf club for hitting a, uh, you know, a low score, getting a low score in your golf game. No, the highest uh, form of um, uh, esteem in a biblical framework is that you're taking care of your family. That's your legacy. That's my legacy, hopefully, that at the end of my life that my girls can say he was a good daddy. Mission accomplished. That's all, right? There's many other responsibilities. How about yourself? You're responsible for yourself. A man who can't control himself, um, who doesn't go and uh, goes and gets help, um needs to start there first. You cannot uh do what you need to do in terms of your responsibilities without first caring for yourself. Integrity, ownership, own your part. Easiest thing to do is to blame her, to blame them, they, 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 they. How many times do I hear they? they? they they got all the power. It ain't they, it ain't them. You know, the old saying everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> everywhere you go, there you are. What is it about me that's causing this rupture in this relationship? Yeah, there's chaos. First guy you got to look at is the guy you shave every morning. Well, some of you don't shave, but me. You know, you
2: know.
1: <laughs> Character. Character, character. Third question. What does a man believe? What would you say to that? How, how would you answer that? How, again, imagine yourself sitting um, with your 10 year old. Son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter. 10 year old says, daddy? What is the daddy? What does a man believe? What would you say? Write it down. What does he believe? What would you want to teach your sons and daughters that a man is to believe? And again, I mean, your your list could look like the grocery list easily that your wife would give you on a Saturday morning. But I would just offer you just one thing, and we'll add to this as the weeks go by. This is critical. A man believes that God is the source of all life. Everything we have, uh, son, everything we have, sweetheart, is because God's given it to us. God created it. I mean, we could be like one of those beautiful people uh, in the video. You know? You have what you have. And everybody in this room, we have far more than we deserve, right? And it's not because you're good-looking or smart or... uh, have achieved so much that it can't be taken away from you in a heartbeat. You can get a phone call. Uh, you can be on your way out of the, you get know, on I 55 and go north or south, and it can all be taken away from you in a heartbeat. You know, friends, I know friends that that's happened. It breaks our heart. God is the source. He holds our life in his hands. Thank you, God, for every breath. That's what a man believes. That's what a man believes. Isn't that sweet? Turn over to Genesis chapter 25 and let's look at our model. Good old Jacob. Man, we're going to learn to love Jacob and identify with Jacob through this series. And this whole idea of Jacob starts with Family dynamics, family, family. What are we going to do with family? This idea of family is a concept that God came up with. It's the lime on the playing field. You know, we're going to operate that which we call life through the family paradigm. It's not a baseball game. It's not a football game. It's not a soccer field. It's not a basketball court that we're going to play on. It is the family. It's the family. Mother and father and children. God came up with that. God designed the family to get all of us moving in the right direction. It forms the basis of our society. However, when the family doesn't function as God intended, it sets the stage for disintegration in all other social arenas. Wow, family. Where are we in our culture with family? Wow, wow. Disintegration, chaos, no lime on the playing field. It would be like... Starting a baseball game. And uh, there's no lime on the field. Starting a football game. No lime on the field. It would just be utter chaos. And that's what we have in many ways in our culture. So God gives us these characters as the patriarchal trinity. Of the redemptive nation of israel he gives us abraham isaac and jacob isaac this unforgettable moment in isaac's life jacob's father isaac knew about god's unconditional promises to his own father abraham that he initially called to the one through whom god would carry out his divine plan to bless all the people of the world so Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God takes Abraham out on a starry night. And what does he tell him? He looks up in the sky and he sees the stars and he says, your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. Now that's not a Mississippi sky, guys. First time I ever saw a real starry sky was we were driving across um, the uh, California desert. What is that? Is uh, that, that the Mojave Desert? All right. And so, you know, we're coming out of Texas, uh, across New Mexico into uh, California. And we purposefully, of course, crossed the desert at night uh, because it was cooler. And I'll never forget, we stopped at a a roadside stop and uh, we were, I was going on, uh, I was coming on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ in California. And we get out of that car and I look up unbelievable. How many of you have seen a sky like that 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 I'm talking about? I mean, the first time you see that, you never forget that. I mean, it's like you couldn't have taken a star and stuck any place that there wasn't already a star. It wasn't like, you know, a hundred stars. It was like millions of stars, hundreds of stars. That's what Abraham saw. That's what he saw. Isaac's part in God's great plan is clear. Genesis 22, again, later on in the passage, through your offspring, Isaac, all nations on earth will be blessed. The power of a father. I'm going to uh, write my redemptive plan through, through a father. Abraham was your father. Isaac now is Jacob's father. I will bless through a father. Think about that. It's been written in redemptive history, the power of a father. We carry on that legacy. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those of us who have the privilege of being fathers, what are you doing about that responsibility? I hope you're taking it serious. And and through our time together this morning, I hope you'll take it even more serious. So this idea of Isaac's prayer is something very important. Years later, Isaac faced a predicament, in fact, one that was almost identical to his father. Now, again, Sarah was Isaac's father, right? And we all know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah couldn't conceive. And so Abraham uh, and Sarah kind of took that lack of being able to be blessed. I mean, God had said, I'm, I'm going to give you an offspring. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you know, you know, time's running out, you know, time's running out. So what does Sarah do? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I think God's on vacation in Argentina or something. I don't know. Uh, and so why don't you take my maidservant and go into the tent over there and let's make this thing happen. Holy cow, bad idea. Bad idea. All hell broke loose. But like his mother, Sarah, his own wife, Rebecca, was barren. But Isaac did what his father failed to do. What did he do? He prayed. When was the last time that you know you made a mistake because you didn't pray about it, you just made it happen? You know, you bought that car. I've got a funny story. I I bought a car that was just like, oh, it's bad news. I made a big mistake. Impulsive, you know, Uh, compulsive, impulsivity, compulsivity. Didn't pray about it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't seek counsel. You know, stupid stuff that we do. But Isaac prayed and God answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant Rebecca did not say, hey, Isaac, won't you do what your daddy did and your mama did? How'd that work out? Not too good. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. Jeff, you've got that. I'll just read it off the screen here. 1 John chapter 5. What an amazing passage. And how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will. One little phrase there, according to his will, sure that he's listening. Dear God, I pray for this, but what I really want is your will. Praying according to God's will. And God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm praying. But more than what I'm praying, I want your will. I'll submit to your will. That's a prayer now. That's a man prayer. That's a man prayer. It ain't Santa Claus that you're talking to. Okay. This is what I want. I'll crawl up on my knee. And we'll see if you're a good boy, but I've been a good boy. I've been a good boy. Why didn't I get what I prayed for? I've been good. Dude, it ain't Santa Claus. Okay. It's God. So Rebecca's prayer. Look at Rebecca's prayer. No doubt Isaac and Rebecca had often discussed her husband's family experiences. She had to know the mistake that her mother in law, Sarah, made in providing her maidservant as a substitute mother in order to, quote unquote, I love this, help God along. You ever tried to help God along? Here, God, let me give you a hand here. You know? In bringing the promised child into the world, Rebecca encounters Ishmael. Wow. I mean, think about what the relationship must have been like with Ishmael, you know, the son of the maidservant. Constant reminders of what happens when children, when God's children walk out of his will. Rebecca discovered that she was carrying twins, a rather traumatic experience for a firstborn mother, but she learned some important prophetic truths. God was going to bless, but there was going to be trouble on the horizon god 's imagination in orchestrating and unveiling his redemptive plan is so amazing it 's so textured, so many pieces to it. the power of a father. I want you to watch this video. Uh, this is another synopsis of the um, of the um, of the movie. Um, What's the name of the movie again? Show Me the Father. Yeah, Show Me the Father. Um, Show Me the Father. It's it's a documentary. You need to watch this while we're doing this series. How many of you watched it this past week? Anybody? Several of you? uh, uh, Watch this whole deal. I'm going to show you clips out of it, but this is so powerful. Show you just another synopsis of Show Me the Father. Watch this.
2: One of the greatest needs
1: God has put into the heart of every human being is for a father. Has your father let you down? Has your stepfather let you down?
0: Every father is responsible for passing on the blessing.
2: Don't drop the ball now, because it's not somebody else's responsibility to carry what you've been given. Fatherhood is something that has been on the heart of the Kendrick brothers for a long time.
1: We put a representation of our father, Larry Kendrick, in all of our movies. There's
0: no way that we could have told the stories we've told in the manner we did without our father's influence.
2: And action. And I think this documentary is really
1: the product of all of that thinking and prayer.
0: I want to make a difference In the lives of young people, the way my father made a difference
2: in my life. Sherman felt more like a father than he did a coach. Coach Sherman was always that that second father figure for me when I was playing sports, and he treated all of his guys like that.
0: It's not just about fatherhood, but it's about redemption. It's about second chances.
2: One of the themes that emerges as we talk about the fatherhood of God is that he
1: does what we cannot do. And I went down on my face and began to weep. You've been everything. Look at what you've done for me.
0: In the Bible, the blessing was everything. That blessing was the covenant to transfer of the favor of God for the future of the child.
1: I declare that you are a beloved
0: son in whom we are well pleased. So that's the way he sends me off to start our family. I lacked nothing emotionally. I'm leaving full.
2: Get home from work about five o'clock. Unmute my phone. First thing I see, did you have a baby in
0: 1972 in Allegheny County? I would get asked about family history, and I'm like, man, I didn't I didn't have any answers because I didn't know.
2: Immediately I'm like, okay, I'm in. I gotta see where this is gonna go. I'm in.
0: I'm like, what did you name the baby? And she said, John. I'm as it's her.
2: What? God. I mean, I was so loud. This isn't a fake. He's real. He's really out there. And this is really him.
1: God was speaking to me on that airplane, saying, I want you to adopt this girl.
2: We just chose to love her mm-hmm. and make her a part of our family. And I know that God does that for us, too. He sets his heart on us.
0: This is the kind of film that families need to watch together. God is standing there,
2: saying, I will be this for you. And I'll be the best father you could ever have. Mm.
1: Power of father. Watch the film. You'll be blessed. The power of a father. What a great privilege you have and I have no greater responsibility than to be a father. Again, look at Genesis chapter 25. Let's dig in a little bit deeper to Jacob. Verse 19, Genesis 25. This is the family tree of Isaac, son of Abraham. Isaac, or Abraham had Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Ar- Armean of Padden Aram. She was the sister of Laban, the Armean. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because she was barren. God answered his prayer and Rebekah became pregnant. But, circle the but, here it comes. But, the children tumbled and kicked inside her so much that she said, quote, if this is the way it's going to be, why go on living? She's in a lot of pain, in a lot of pain womb mates is what we call them there they are womb mates isaac and jacob she went to god to find out what was going on and god told her two nations are in your womb two peoples butting heads while still in your body sometimes i think i've got womb mates in me don't you it feels like a war going on inside of me. I don't know what it feels like to be pregnant, even though evidently in our culture, some men evidently have become uh, uh, pregnant. Uh, I, I hear that on the news, so I, I don't know how that works, you know. But it's this idea of a battle going on inside. One people will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. The story of Esau and Jacob. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out reddish as if he snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau Harry, and he played linebacker for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. No, I just. His brothers followed him. His first clutched tight to Esau's heel, they named him Jacob which means heal. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. Two contrasting figures. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. He lived in Mississippi and raised cotton in the Delta. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. He moved to Atlanta and he was a city guy. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. He was a mama's boy. He was a mama's boy. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew, and Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew, I'm starved. And that's how he came to be called Edom, red. He would sell his life, his birthright, for stew. We would call Esau, I think it would be safe to say, he had gravitational pull to be an addict, right? He would seek self-gratification, immediate self-gratification without regard for his decisions. Now, gentlemen, we are all addicts. We're all addicts in some form. Jacob said, make me a trade. My stew for your rights is the firstborn. And Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Immediate gratification with no concern for long-term consequences. That's what that's called. Gentlemen, how many stupid decisions have you made because of immediate gratification rather than concern for long-term consequences? Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did, on oath Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn, and Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils, and he ate and drank, got up and left, and that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn, bankrupt, literally and figuratively, for a bowl of stew. Man, so sad the story of your addiction, the story of my addiction, the story of your foolish decisions, the story of my foolish decisions. That's how it works. And I'm telling you, in this family dynamic, favoritism is a nasty, nasty piece. Mama favored um, Jacob, and Daddy favored Esau. I see that all the time in my uh, office favoritism one parent favoring another you know you should look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is just talking about the sins of generational sins patterns in our family dynamics that need to be broken and if we don't break those we just continue to pass them on from one generation to the next. Gentlemen, the buck stops where? Here. Here. I can change it if I become the man that God called me to be. I can change my family history. You know, you may come from a whole family line of uh, alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, or just rigid, passive men. Passivity may have run in your family like cancer. It can stop with you. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says this: "These are all warning markers, danger, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Don't repeat it. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self confidence, it's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Dear God, I'm a daddy, I'm a grandfather. I need your help. I need your help. When was the last time that you simply just prayed that simple prayer? I need help. See, I would just close with this. There's three lessons that I want you to hear today from Jacob relative to a father. First of all, finish well. Today, start a new path for you today i want to start to journal much more about what a man is what my responsibilities are and i need to believe that god is the source and he'll give me the power to accomplish that which he's called me to do stop generational patterns begin to identify what was going on with your father and grandfather I used to struggle with depression in, in my uh, late 20s and early 30s, and I found out that uh, my uh, great-grandfather uh, was a depressive man. We call it family systems. You can look at your family map and oftentimes see that you're just in the midst of generational sin or generational patterns. wanna stop that. And then finally, model being a godly man and you can't model that which you don't know and I would say if you want to be a godly man and you want to be a model of a godly man then you got to find a godly man that you can model and no matter who you find he ain't going to be perfect but what you want in a godly man is somebody who's not afraid to admit his mistakes that he'll own that that he works with a, a a big old word there's a big old word that we don't use probably enough around here and that's repentance. You know, don't ever trust somebody who can't repent. And I'm not talking about, you know, some kind of uh, preacher on the, at the end of the a.m. dial at 530 just yelling at you. Repent! Are you going to hell? Repent! I mean, that, that kind of creeps me out. Uh, I, I, I understand. But what I'm talking about in repentance is just, just willing to admit that I'm going the wrong direction going east, I need to go west. I'm going north, I need to go south. I'm willing to do a 180, just humbly. You don't have to be yelled at, do you? Do you? You know? It, it, it's the idea of being willing to do something different. It all starts with the family. Gentlemen, may we be better dads. May we be better family uh, men. The power of a father. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, for our time this morning. Thank you for the model of Jacob. This whole idea of both the good things of Jacob and the broken things of Jacob encourage us that there's hope for us. Thank you, Lord, uh, for our time this morning. May we be better fathers in a way that brings honor to your name, in healing to ourselves and our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week.